and welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Much has been covered about NIL and college athletes, but one topic we don't hear much about is taxes. If you make over $600 a year in NIL payments, an athlete should receive a 1099. However, the categories of how athletes are being paid vary from cash to Venmo to crypto to NFTs to a whole lot of other things. How does this work? And what about athletes that are starting their own micro businesses like Caitlin Clark from Iowa, who launched a popcorn business and Caleb Love from UNC, who started an ice cream enterprise? How should they plan ahead for the inevitable tax bill? And asking athletes to organize their finances and file during the height of tax season and March Madness can add to the frustration and feeling overwhelmed. Lisa Green Lewis is a CPA and a tax expert for TurboTax. Lisa has over 20 years of experience in tax preparation. Her success is attributed to being able to interpret tax laws and help clients better understand them. She has held positions as a public auditor, controller, and operations manager. Lisa has appeared on the Steve Harvey Show, The Ellen Show, and major news broadcasts to help break down the tax laws and help taxpayers understand what tax laws mean to them. For Lisa, getting timely and accurate information out to taxpayers to help them keep more of their own money is paramount. Hello, Lisa, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So glad that you could join us today on a topic that I know very little about. So I'm really thrilled to learn from you and for my audience to hear from you. You know, this whole name, image, and likeness space has gotten pretty crazy over the last almost two years. What has surprised you the most about NIL since it became legal for college athletics? I would say what surprised me the most is, um, you know, the amount of money that kids are able to make um, using their name, image, and likeness and the different ways that they've been able to use their name in image and likeness to make money. Um, you know, a lot of them, they're actually influencers now, creators. Some of them are even creating um, NFTs and, you know, selling the NFTs. So, you know, they're getting into the crypto space. So along with that comes a lot of tax implications. So for my audience, what is an NFT? So they know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Um, and so it is a type of investment. Um, when a student athlete creates one of these, um, they can sell it, uh, but it is you know, considered almost like a cryptocurrency. So there's tax implications to that. And I'm assuming this is all taxable in different ways. And I'm hoping you'll help us understand how, how um, parents, families, athletes can. Yes, that's what I really want to help people that, with, because um, like you said, it's been almost two years, but this is probably like the first full year that a lot of these students have made money and now it's tax time um, and they're just trying to figure it all out. And Absolutely. that's what we've been here for. That's great. So let's start with the obvious question. What should parents and athletes know about the changes and challenges that this new situation brings? Yeah, the first thing that they should know is, you know, they're now considered self-employed. Um, this income 
it's going to be paid. They're most likely paid on a 1099, whether it's a 1099 NEC. So that's um, not 1099 non-employee compensation, or um, they could be paid on a 1099K. And that's when you have payments processed by a third-party provider like Venmo, PayPal. Um, that's the first thing to know. So when you're self-employed, um, you you know, you have employment taxes. Um, it's usually when you make net income of at least $400 or more, then you have to pay self-employment taxes. And then you also have federal taxes when you go to file your taxes. Um, also with that note, you know, if you think you're going to owe at least $1,000, then you should make estimated taxes. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So you've got to almost yeah. plan for what somebody might offer you. And that could be really tricky in this space, right? I mean, who knows if they're going to get the next really big deal or the, the next deal that they offered is going to fall through. Right, exactly. And then, you know, there's implications for parents. Um, these, a lot of the student athletes, they've gone from being in high school, not making any money, or maybe they had, you know, just a a side job before that, and they were making a little money, but their parents were able to claim them as a dependent. Um, that is something for parents to also think about now, whether or not they're going to be claiming them because um, these student athletes, now that they're making this money and they need to file their taxes, is it better for them to, you know, the parent not to claim them so that they can be eligible for some other, um, personal credits, like education credits that they may be able to get. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking about that as I was getting ready to join you on the podcast. And I was thinking, so parents really have to sit down and make a decision. Is my son or daughter now a dependent or not a dependent? And that could have longer, bigger implications than just this particular tax year. Is that correct? Right. And, you know, typically with so full-time students, they can be claimed as a dependent um, up to the age of uh, 24. Um, but now that these students, you know, they're coming into big, uh, large amounts of income, um, you know, the parents may want to consider not claiming them so that they can, you know, the student can get some of the tax benefits. And then also, you know, sometimes parents, um, they're not able to claim like education credits or things like that because they have income limits. So definitely if they're not able to claim those, then they should just um, let their student claim themselves. Can you see a situation where a family might sit down ahead of a, uh, an athlete signing an NIL deal and say, wait a minute, maybe we need to look at this income stream differently, or maybe we need to package it differently or delay being paid, any of those kinds of things? Yes, um, definitely. That's always, you know, an option. You should look at, you know, the income that's going to be coming in and what it means to your taxes for sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so if an athlete is self-employed, is there a ceiling on where they need to declare themselves or a, a fine line between being self-employed and off their parents or is it, and then, or on their pants, or is it just that they sit down as a family and decide you're, you're off the tax return or you're on? 
Um, so as far as being self-employed, um, if you're doing something and making money um, and your whole reason for doing it is to make an income and you don't have an employer, then you are considered self-employed. So that really doesn't factor into like whether your parents claim you as a dependent or not. Um, and then you have to file your taxes when you're self-employed if you're earning a net income of at least $400. Okay. So what really factors into whether or not your parents are going to claim you, um, it boils down to um, if you're considered a qualifying child or not, which if you're a full-time college student and under the age of 24, your parents can still claim you. But also they have to look at um, who's going to reap the benefit of claiming. Right, right. Um, I got to know, have you encountered any athletes that you've been working with in their NIL deals that are absolutely stunned to see their tax liability when they sit down to do their taxes? Um, we've seen it, you know, two different ways. Some of the athletes, um, are saying that, you know, their family was really involved and kind of informed them, but then some are, had no idea you know, what to expect. Um, one thing I always, you know, mention, they're getting all this income in and, you know, they're thinking, oh, I, I'm going to have taxes on all this income. But I also uh, advise the student athletes to actually take deductions for um, expenses that are directly related to their NIL you know, using their name, image, and likeness, because those are considered direct business expenses, like um, their advertising, or, you know, a lot of them have websites, or if they're doing anything, um, a lot of them are influencers, so they might have video equipment, or even travel, um, they should definitely take those deductions, because that will lower their self-employment taxes, as well as their federal taxes. Okay, so let's take an athlete uh, like Paige Buckers, who is the UConn women's basketball player. And she is well known for her Instagram number of followers and, and other platforms, TikTok. And she does most of her, it appears, most of her shooting around campus in her daily life. What kinds of deductions might somebody who's just kind of going about their normal life have, if any? Yeah, but it, well, if she's getting paid for it might be, going yeah. about it, yeah. yes. Um, so uh, she's probably shooting videos. Yeah. Um, she's like an influencer shooting videos, uh, travel, maybe if she's going to meetings or appearances, um, advertising, website or website support, anything like that that's directly related. She Anything would be able to so if she's, if she's on a team trip, you know, are there any deductions there or is she, because she's being paid for by the institution to travel to another university, that's different? Yeah, it will, if it's a, if it's a team trip, something that her team was already going on, I wouldn't think that would be deductible, but let's say it's travel for a certain appearance or an event not related to like, her team playing, um, then that would be deductible. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was just uh, reading an article where she and another teammate have a partnership with Bose and Bose has been on their campus, not only um, uh, they've been allowed to be on UConn's campus to shoot, you know, a normal day in the life of that type of thing, or uh, inside the locker rooms or gyms, that type of thing. But they've also been permitted to use the Yukon marks and logos, which is rare in this space uh, today. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no financial implications for the players, right? Because the university agreed to share their campus and share their marks. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that would that would be on the university. Okay, okay. Some of these NIL deals are about um, giving back to the community, right? They're, they're doing some, some good work. They're promoting a cause for, you know, food donations or trying to help a local business get started. How does that get interpreted by some of these things? Yeah, so tax-wise, well, if, if the athlete was donating directly from their income, then that would be a deduction right, if they right. can, if they can itemize their deductions they would be able to deduct whatever whether it's um you know mileage from vi- volunteering or supplies they buy to um you know to volunteer or even money that they're they're giving but what if they decide to use their Instagram platform for uh, promotion of an event at that particular nonprofit where there's no money changing fans, but they're they're allowing their influencer status to be able to promote and lift the other organization? Anything there? Um, on that one, yeah, if they're not if they're not really giving anything because it's the same you know, like someone that's not an an athlete, um, let's say they're spending time, you can't get a deduction for your time that you spend. Okay. 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 Or leveraging your number of followers or any of those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about this, this income that in fact affects, uh, possibly affects federal financial aid and institutional aid. Have you seen issues where they're making so much money that they've had an impact with their financial aid office at their campus? I haven't seen any specifically at the campuses, but that that is a possibility because when you fill out um, you know, the documents for financial aid, they do request information if a student is making money. Um, So that could impact your financial aid. So I fill out those documents probably at the beginning of the school year or close to the beginning of the school year, but this uh, opportunity comes up in the middle of the school year, completely out of the blue. How do I manage that, you know, in terms of uh, declaring for my federal forms at school my applications to school, or do I just wait until the next school year to declare what yeah, I have? It would go into the next school okay. year. Um, you know, with federal federal financial aid, they actually go by your um, tax returns okay. and what's been documented. Um, and they're usually, you know, like at least a year behind. Yeah. Yeah. That so. makes sense. That makes sense. And let's go the other case scenario where you got a great deal your freshman year and all of a sudden the company went out of business and that money isn't coming in. How does that impact your ability to apply for financial aid? 
Yeah. So if you've already applied and you, um, in, so you included that income, is that what you're for the previous year, yeah, but yeah. now this year oh, the yeah. company went out of business, right? Yeah, yeah. I I know there are ways you can make changes and update your income information. Okay, so they'd want to be aware to do that, right? I would definitely changes. make sure they're aware that there was there was a change. That, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, um, you you said you've worked with a number of NIL athletes. What are some of the most uh, interesting cases that, or an interesting case that you've come across that our listeners might appreciate hearing about? Um, well, yeah, we're just getting started. We actually have some NIL athletes that are we're working with, but um, what I've heard from them that's just most interesting. A lot of them are surprised. Um, by the deductions that they can get that we talked about. Many of them are not aware of that at all. And so um, they're very surprised, but also very happy (laughs) because it's reducing their taxes. Yes. So they got to be good record keepers then, right? They've got to be able to show that they've actually, you can document this. So what are some of the pieces of advice you give about documentation for these deductions? Yes, definitely. You want to keep your receipts. Um, and then, uh, you know, if it's related to travel, you want to document the date and the reason for the travel. Um, and also, you know, we recommend, I know, um, into it, we own QuickBooks uh, Self-Employed and you can track your income, your expenses and your mileage all year round. So I just recommend anything like that. And then also, you know, um, not waiting until it's tax time to gather everything together, but it's all, you know, up to the student. I know they're very busy. So, you know, even if they could break it down, whatever works for them, but like monthly gathering things together or, you know, quarterly, whatever works for them. Yeah. Having the receipts is probably the most important thing, though, because otherwise it's really hard for your tax preparer, I would think, to say, well, I feel okay signing off on this uh, on this form for you. Would, would that be true? Yes. Yeah. yes. Having receipts and, and then maybe um, may have a separate bank account from your personal. So it'd be easier to just, you know, you have this separate account where you can see all the expenses that were directly related to NIL. That's an interesting idea because I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, if you're going to make the deposits of the money that you earn and then uh, do the withdrawals, it doesn't get commingled with anything. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah. that that makes a lot of sense. Um, So, okay, now we're done, filed our taxes for this year and looking down the pike for next year, I would assume that there's going to be more opportunities because people are very entrepreneurial. What pieces of advice do you have for them about maybe accepting an NFT offer or accepting being paid in cryptocurrency, those kinds of things? Yes, if they're going to be accepted in something like crypto or paid in cryptocurrency, I just you know, like to tell them the tax implications of that as well. So if you're paid in cryptocurrency, um, you're going to be paid the same way, like a self-employed or freelancer, and that's going to come on your 1099 as income. 
But then when you hold on to that cryptocurrency, it's considered an investment. So when you sell it, you're you're also going to be taxed if you have a capital gain on that. Okay. Not not so unlike a home in certain in some ways, except you know, at certain thresholds. But yeah, yeah so that's an one asset. thing. It's an asset. Yeah. That's one thing to remember. Also, I know you're um talking about forward looking. I know we talked about estimated taxes. Yes. One unknown tip a lot of people don't realize um, regarding estimated taxes. Mm -hmm. So usually, you know, you have the quarterly estimated tax deadlines, ones coming up in April, that's for tax year 2023. And then you have June, September, and then the following year, January, all for 2023. And so it's divided up in quarters. And if you do end up owing, um, you can get penalties in those quarters. But one thing that people don't realize, the IRS, they do give a break um, if you annualize your income at tax time. Because okay. the IRS knows generally self-employed people don't make their money all, the same amount of money every quarter. Right. So they allow you to annualize. So let's say you had these deals the in more towards the last two quarters of the year. When you do your taxes, you can actually show that you made that money in the last two quarters. So you won't get a penalty in the first two. Yeah, so a lot of people don't, don't realize that. You don't want to be penalized with right. interest and penalties and all that type of thing, because that just adds to your misery at that point. <laughs> right. But then also, I just remind people, make sure you take the deductions that you're eligible for. Yeah, absolutely. So you can lower your taxes. So one trend that, that I see, and this will be our, our last question, but I think it's a really interesting one, is some of these athletes are starting micro businesses. So Caitlin Clark, who plays for the University of Iowa, and Caleb Love, who plays for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, have created micro businesses. Uh, Caitlin's is around popcorn, and Caleb's is around ice cream. Mm -hmm. among, among many other athletes who are thinking about micro businesses, what should they be paying attention to when it comes to taxes? Um, just uh, how, like, how these micro businesses, um, how that income could impact maybe other income that they're getting. Cause okay. you know, they might be doing these micro businesses, but they also might be, um, you know, getting paid for appearances or things like that. So just thinking about how these businesses, all of that can compound and also, um, the different businesses, if they're, you know, all different types of businesses, um, you're just going to have separate tracking because that income okay. and then your expenses are going to go directly against the different business incomes, depending on what they are. So once again, a separate account might be really beneficial yes. the income and the expenses for a micro business. Um, do, do those micro businesses fall under a different kind of taxable category than do the appearance fees and that type of thing? Um, if there's if they remain self-employed, then they would all be self-employed, but they would just be categorized, you know, as a different type of business than like being paid for their appearances. 
Okay. Okay. But it, it's all in money that the federal government is interested in seeing. So it's important to, yes. to track it and, uh, and be upfront about what you're doing and where it's going. Lisa, yes. I thank you so much for, for joining me on the podcast. I have learned a ton. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm enough to make myself dangerous. So you've cleared some things up uh, for me about how this works and uh, good luck with the rest of tax season. You've got another almost a month. So I yes, hope it's no problem. Great. And I was going to say, you you know, if people need help, um, you know, with TurboTax, you can come to TurboTax and fully hand your taxes over to our tax experts who do them in one meeting. So one meeting the, and that yeah. seems uh, for people who are incredibly busy, especially if they're in March Madness, yes, they're so busy practicing, studying. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will definitely put your, your information in the, in the notes for the show so people can reach out to you. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to inform me and the audience about how this little known part of NIL works. Okay.